This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. You're listening to the Fantrax Radio Network. Fantasy Sports lives here. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan, joined by Joe Saunders, who is holding his head in his hands, seemingly <laughs> crying. <laughs> oh my god, Nick is discombobulated today. That was literally the countdown to the show, people. <laughs> It went three, two, I'd skip a do 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 bop. Nick Ligatino has been replaced with the scat man. <laughs> oh, the scat man. <laughs> this is the kind of hard hitting fantasy baseball analysis yeah. you get here at the Fantasy World Order. In <laughs> August. Why you tuned in. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, guys. We've got a great show, believe it or not, for you. Uh, we'll kick it off with the news and notes since we've already done our intros. Uh, Chris Sale, back on the DL with shoulder inflammation. Obviously a tough injury, um, but for the head-to-head folks, we're, we haven't hit the playoffs yet. Uh, looking more long-term, since we're going to discuss some replacements in our primary segment tonight how does this how does this dampen sales outlook for you as a future asset well first of all he shed that stigma that he had the first couple of years right like we were all like oh god that throwing motion it, yeah his elbow's gonna blow up he's gonna blow what, up gonna what blow he up. throws and you know the velo plus the breaking stuff plus the mechanics like, it's just a ticking time bomb but then he was so good and he did it for such a long period of time i'm like all right I'm I'm good. I, we don't care anymore. But um, yeah, it's starting to get a little scary. Um, I I would be a little bit more. There is a red flag going into next year for me with him, but I still consider him one of the best in the game. I wouldn't hesitate to take him as my, you know, res- hesitate to rank him as a top five pitcher without a doubt. And it's but as far as the top three conversation, where I guess it's now, um. Scherzer, Sale, and who's three? Kluber. Uh, well, we're talking about Sale, so. You just put Sale back into the th- top three. All right, yeah, well, all right. So, yeah, all right, so Scherzer, DeGrom, I-, I still think he's up there with them. It's not a big enough red flag for me to stay away next year or put him up there with those guys. Okay, okay. what about you, Joe? Well, so uh, i just like to, to remind the listeners, right, I was on the record of saying that I was a little worried when he first went on the DL. I wasn't super alarmed, but I was a little worried. Um, I do think that they're probably going to take their time bringing him back um, because they really have no, no, because they're 50 games yeah. over 500. They're 50 <laughs> games ahead of everyone else. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So they have like no incentive to bring him back as far as the future goes. Yeah. This is two years in a row now um, that he's been a little dinged up. Um, I mean, he can't fall, fall much further because when he's pitching, he's like the best. So, so, all right, but you were but you were worried before, and now it's actually kind of come to fruition. So, what, do you still have him up there? Like, would you take him well, out of? The I was ground? worried for this year, 
Would I take him over Degrom? Yeah. Uh, in a wins league, no way. Let me let me ask you this: Do you think that this is some gamesmanship by the Red Sox by any no. chance? No. No. Uh, I do. I think it's possible. No, I think. I think. Happened. I think what what actually happened is that he's probably a little sore, and instead of having him go continue to go out there, then yeah, they're just like let's play it safe and give him some time off. So if. The Yankees were tied with them. You don't believe that? Well, I don't want. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, it's not. It's not that you don't believe that he's hurt. It's that you think that there's a possibility that if the AL East race was closer at this point, that he might pitch through it. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I think I agree with that, and I also agree with Nick too. Like, I don't think this is nothing. I do think there's something going on here. It's happened twice now. Um, I, so, I mean, I do have a red flag there, even though I do remain skeptical. Um, you know, and as Nick said, it was a great point. Sale has been extremely durable throughout his career, um, despite this sort of stigma that he carried with him. And just as he seemed to sort of clear that stigma, um, the shoulder is now acting up and, you know, the shoulder is second to the elbow and I'm not even sure it should be second to the elbow. Um, so it's it's a it's a major red flag for me um and it is something i think you have to be concerned about um you know and i think that you might have to start to look at sale kind of like you look at kershaw um you know Uh, in terms of projecting him for innings well i mean it it, kershaw was kershaw until yeah but back started to act up right but my so my my point is you're kind of contradicting yourself you said a second ago that um, that it well, obviously, be- I'm con- I am I am contradicting myself, and I acknowledge that because I'm conflicted. Um, you know, and, and it's just a matter of the fe- it's just a matter that you don't have enough information at this point to go off of to make a, a definitive determination. And I, you don't have to make this determination right now. You don't draft until you know next March. Um, so, I mean, if Sale comes back and he's pumping consistent velo and goes through the playoffs and pitch is amazing, then, you know, you probably have your answer and you can consider him right up at the tippy top of, you know, the upper echelon of pitchers. And you don't have to really worry about projecting him for, um, you know, an ACE level workload. If, you know, he comes back and the velocity is down, well, then you've got your answer, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'd just like to put some numbers to this real quick. So Kershaw is at 116 and a third right now. Last year it was 175, and the year before that is 149, right? Sale pitched 214 innings last year. So even though he got dinged up, he still made it over 200, and he's at 146 right now. So I think it'd be steep to say that Sale is has reached the Kershaw territory. Um, I'm okay with being a little concerned, but the more I think about it um, – it's it's still really hard to push him down. I mean, he's got a thirteen and a half K per nine and under two ERA. I just I just want to clarify what I meant because what sure. I meant might not be what I said. Okay. What I'm what I'm trying to get across is is that he might be entering um, that Kershaw phase where he's not the horse, you know, the two hundred plus inning horse anymore, and you might need to project his innings. 
at <clears throat> you know you might need to factor in a a DL stint or two into his projection next year. You know you might need to put him at like 180, 175 innings as opposed to like sure. 210. Okay, okay. Which is what I was trying to get across. Okay. Um, okay, let's move to his teammate Rafael Devers. Um, he's back on the DL with hamstring trouble. Are you okay with dropping Devers in a 12-team mixer if you need to, or are you stashing him and losing a bench spot? So this would be a case where your DL is filled um, and Devers is your least attractive asset among your DL candidates, or you simply do not have a DL. Nick, before you go, let me ask you a question. Since we recently played the hot guys game, would you rather have Zimmerman or Devers the rest of the way? Zimmerman, and it's not close. What about you, Pat? Yeah, right, I'd rather have Zimmerman. What about Cole Calhoun? Oh, well, that's close. I, it's, I'd probably rather have Cole Calhoun. Just don't forget that. Listen, first of all, so I'm going to go to Pat's question first, which is, is it okay to drop him? Yes, it's definitely okay to drop him. Yeah, he I, has not, he I has do not agree with that. He's not been good at all. Um, the glaring number that is bad is the under 300 OBP on the Red Sox. And if you can't get on the base on, base on this team, you have a problem. In this division, um, you know, that's an issue. So at this point, he's 16 home runs, five stolen bases, so-so counting stats, bad average, bad OBP. What are you missing now with a DL stint? What are you hoping for when he comes back? You think he's going to be better when he gets off the DL? No, go out, pick up Zimmerman, go out and pick up a hot bat. Um, like like we keep talking about now at this point is you you want to pick up those hot guys as you get closer to the playoffs because if it carries into the playoffs – you have these kind of weird waiver wire guys who will go nuts and could win you a championship. Last year or two years ago, when I won, I had Jarrell Cotton. He was on a hot streak. He he beat Pat. He single handedly beat Pat in, in that playoff series because he was hot. I was right in the hot hand. That's what you had to do in fantasy. Cotton weary. Cotton weary. <laughs> yeah, I want to couch this correctly. I mean, Devers is super talented He's and still super young. Yeah. And long term, I love his potential, but. Um, I don't think he's there yet. And, I mean, the name that I have here is Matt Chapman. Um, to replace him for this year, I, I mean, I would do it. I would absolutely do it. Um, but, you know, only if you need to. Um, I wouldn't drop him just to do it. But if I need the roster space, I'm okay with moving on and redraft. Um, you know, and, and and I think that's really where you need to sort of couch this is if it's straight redraft or um, he's not one of your keepers. Um, you know, if he doesn't line up as somebody you're going to keep, then I feel confident that you can probably cut bait with him if, you know, he's a, a real asset, you know, based upon your league context, then you absolutely need to hold on to him because I do firmly believe he's going to turn into a, a very, very good uh, hitter before long. And and I, I didn't throw in a guy, but I think the guy, to, a good guy to pick up at third base who's not owned at all is David Bode. We spoke about him very, very, very briefly. It's Bode. Bode. Either the last pod or the pod before that, but the guy has insane strength. He's got insane bat speed. He's at 95-mile-per-hour exit velo. Um, and on the season, he's at an 806 OPS and a 278 average. I know he's not going to play every day, but that, that, that lineup has some injuries right now, and he could find some more playing time, especially if he plays this well going down the stretch. I like him. That's a guy to definitely keep your eye on. Okay. Uh, you Darvish left his rehab start after one inning. Um, I believe he was diagnosed with um, an elbow injury. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong. 
Um, I don't recall the exact nature of the elbow injury, but it doesn't look like he's um, going to make it back this year in time to be useful for fantasy if he makes it back at all. Um, looking like a complete loss season for Darvish. Okay. Um, Calvin Herrera uh, came off the DL. He looks like he's going to close for the Nats. Uh, do you want him and the chance that he remains closer with Doolittle's status still kind of up in the air? Or would you prefer guys that are locked into a, a role on a lesser team, like a Michael Givens or a Jose Leclerc? No, I, I mean, if, if Herrera is the guy that's going to get saves moving forward on that team, you definitely want Herrera. We've seen what we can do in that spot in the past. He had some ups and downs this year, but maybe this DL stint is what he needed. Maybe he needed a little time away. Um, he's definitely the guy I would want to own. So, I'm sorry, you took her, uh, Herrera over Leclerc and Givens? Yep. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I second that. I think I probably – I think I'm taking Leclerc because of the ratios. Um, and his then name. Her, then Herrera, then Givens. Leclerc. Yeah, and you like his name. Sure. Jesus. You don't like his name, Joe? Who, nah, who the hell is – His name's Aaron. Who's spitting your Cheerios this morning? Christ. Hey, man. You stole my <laughs> You stole my, uh, my car, man. <laughs> yeah, we bought my son the same car bed that Joe has. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm salty about it. <laughs> All right. On that note, <laughs> Michael Kopech got the call yesterday uh, and looked good in an abbreviated start, um, which was shortened due to a rain delay. What are your thoughts on the hard-throwing prospect, Joe? Kick yeah, us Joe. Off. yeah, so uh, I liked what I saw. Right, the fastball. He had good command yesterday on the fastball. I thought you were just going to stop. No. I liked what I saw. I, like I definitely <laughs> did, though. So good command on the fastball, but it was really the secondary offerings. It was uh, the slider curve. I, I mean, I think it's technically a slider, but it looks like a curve sometimes. Um, changed velo on it. It was slow as 79 sometimes, up to 85. So it's, you know, got a got a different type of look each time and the changeup is also filthy. It's all going to come down to how, how well he can control his pitches, uh, but I really like his future. Um, the rest of the season, I mean, there's not much time left, but uh, he's definitely a guy I have on my radar next year. Yeah, I like him as well. Um, he's definitely got some Robbie Ray in him. Um, draft, draft with caution, draft with Tylenol. He's going to give you a headache. Uh, but if he does find control on the bigs, he could be scary. The breaking stuff is good. The velo is good. He's just he's got the, he's definitely got the tools. He's just got to get a little tightened up. Yeah, um, I'm definitely in on Kopech. Uh, you know, I mean, elite velo is where I, you know, try to buy in on these guys, and he certainly got it. Um, and as show has mentioned, the, the secondary stuff looks. Good. It looks like he varies his speeds a little bit on it. Um, you know, it doesn't look like he's simply a real hard guy and that's all he's got. Um, it looks as though he's got the tools to, um, you know, develop a halfway, develop a good arsenal alongside um, that elite velocity. And even if the pitches are, even if the secondary pitches are average, um, they may play up in the long term because of the elite velocity. So, I'm in um, in the long term. I do worry a little bit in the short term. Um, you know, certainly if you need 
um, you know, a, a home run, a, a haymaker in terms of your pitching staff. He's a good, you know, chance to take. Um, but if you're just looking to solidify the back end of your rotation, uh, I place my chips elsewhere because you know there are going there. I, I think it's more likely than not that there are some blowups along the way here um, before the season is out. Um, and I'm not sure what his innings cap is either. Um, so there might be a, a shutdown at some point. Yeah, and you know, blowups could be really good for his ADP next year. Yep. So, you know, if you want him redraft next year, you might be rooting for those. Um, okay, Daniel Murphy was traded to the Cubs. Um, you know, this is I, – I, I think it's personally Chris Bryant insurance. Uh, what do you guys think about the move very quickly? I, I think it's – uh, was a great move by them. Um, we're, you're going to see, like, come October, he's going to be the guy on this team. Like, you know what's going to happen. He's just going to have, like, a sick playoff run. But uh, expect a little bit of less playing time for Ben Zobris. But otherwise, you know, fantasy-wise, I don't think anything else is relevant from this trade. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's a lateral move in terms of lineup and stuff. But uh, great pickup by the Cubs. Yeah. Okay, Matt Adams was also traded from the Nats to St. Louis. Um, back in St. Louis, uh, playing time doesn't look great. Any thoughts there? Um, same. It's going to be the same as same deal as the Nats. Um, you know, I, I unfortunately Adams. It was weird what happened when this year. He was playing great, and then they just decided not to play him as much. I think they had a lot of guys come back from injury. Um, but when he, I think he's still honestly rosterable because when he plays against righties, he's going to, he's going to mash. So well, I own him. What? Oh, no, I was just going to say, are, isn't it likely that Martinez and, and Adams, uh, timeshare? I don't think so. You don't think you, so? Is that, did you hear that somewhere? No. Well, wait, so who do you think is going to start? Martinez. Oh, okay. You don't I, think Adams will play, play against righties? Uh, they'll try and put him in when they can, but I think Martinez is the guy for the rest of the year. And then, you know, help, like I said, I think it'll be very similar to the Nats where, you know, Adams may get maybe three games a week. Yeah, I'm not confident in Matt Adams playing time going forward for redraft purposes. Um, you know, deep league, you want to stash him and play him against righties when he is in the lineup, that's fine. But I don't think the playing time is consistent enough to play in most redraft leagues. I have a question for you both. Um, what what's your take on Jose Martinez's year this season? Right, like we we all came in with pretty lofty expectations. What do you, what do you guys what do you guys think? Because I'm putting you guys on the spot, but you know Martinez he um, he was drafted. He, his ADP was probably proper. I think we were all just a little bit higher on him. So I don't know. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. I love him. I mean. I love him. He's extremely disciplined at the plate. Um, he's got the bat speed. He just doesn't really have the launch angle. He's not changing his swing. If he did, he could definitely get up to 30 bombs, which is where I foolishly projected him this year. But regardless, I drafted him, and when I had him, he was he was crushing. And what we did say about Jose, which I'm pretty sure Pat said as well, was that he would either be at or above 300 batting average, which he is. Um he, do, he has decent counting stats. He's at 72 RBIs right now, batting a good part of that lineup. And he's got a 369 OBP. He's got a 370 OBP, which is really, really strong. Um, you know, he's not striking out a lot. He's walking a lot. He's going to be a good player going forward. And next year, 
if he if there's any reports at all that he underwent any type of swing change, he's going to be an absolute monster. The report that you need to hear is, is that he's traded to the AL so he can DH. He's the problem with Martinez is is that he's fallen into playing time ruts when his bat has calmed down because his defense is terrible. Yeah, even at first base, it's just bad. Like he's he's such a negative that they can't afford to play him when the bat isn't hot. Um, So I I think he's going to be a guy that they're going to shop in the offseason. I think an AL team will capitalize and cash in. Um, and if that's the case, I fully expect it. You know, I kind of, I kind of want to comp him to, you know, like Victor Martinez in Victor Martinez's good years, you know, like 25 homers, like 300 average, like really, really a very, very good hitter. And I think that he will be a value next year if he does get traded. Um, but, you know, despite some questionable moves, I don't know that the Cardinals are going to sell him for cents on a dollar. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him this offseason. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I just want to mention Justin Upton to the DL with a lacerated finger, no um, timetable on him at this point. Um, all right, so tonight's uh, main segment is going to be called Who Can You Trust? Um, and we're talking about pitchers that mm, are kind of fringy and whether you're starting them regardless of matchup or venue and any limitations that you might have on them. So we'll kick it off with a guy that we've talked about probably on every podcast since <laughs> March. <laughs> John Gray, Um, and Nick, you are one of John Gray's leading advocates. So tell us, you know, how much do you trust him? All right. So I'm going to try and be as non-biased as I can, even though he's my favorite pitcher in baseball. I'm going to try and be non-biased. More than than Uncle Jack? (laughs) Oh, no, Jack Flaherty. Come on. We We don't even – don't even bring Jack up. Who the hell is Uncle Jack? I don't know. Jack Flaherty. Nick knew who I meant, though. Yeah, yeah Jack no, I, I think you meant Captain Jack. Captain Jack, yeah. Yeah, yeah Uncle Jack. God, I'm um, a loser. Yeah, no, it's it's like Flaherty, J.A. Happ, and the rest of the world. Um, but anyway, with, with John Gray, um, yeah, I, he's trustworthy no matter where he is, no matter when he pitches. He's been absolutely money since the All-Star break. And the, the, some of the teams that he's faced since the break, um, the Astros, he completely blanked them, although God, the Astros lineup is pretty shitty. Yeah. Um, but he also blanked out the, um, the the Cardinals, the Brewers. He had a trouble against the Dodgers, but then he came out the next game and destroyed the Atlanta Braves. Um, he pitched really well tonight against San Diego. He's just got it. And he's starting to, he's starting to do what we thought he could do in the second half, which is – you know, absolutely dominate over the last month. He's had a 0.86 ERA, um, two, I'm sorry, 2.83 ERA, 0.86 whip. Um, and he's pretty much, a, he's a K per nine. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, a K printing. Um, he'll be fine going forward. He's definitely trustworthy. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball since the all-star break. If you bench him, 
you're a schmuck. Ride the hot hand. He's going to keep cashing in. Joe, what do you think? Uh, so, I mean, Gray's definitely seen the Bapit book swing, right? Yeah. And we, we did say that was going to happen. Um, we, we all agreed that he's probably a guy that is always going to have a high Bapit, but it was just still too high even for him. With that said, um, I'm largely with you. I think riding him as he's hot is a good idea. I would probably avoid him in his starts against the Dodgers, the Angels, and maybe Washington, as all those teams have a knock for hitting righties, and Gray is prone to giving up hits. Otherwise, I think the rest of his starts I'd be okay with. If, if, he, if he ends up facing the... Uh, the two LA teams. Yeah. I mean, you're going to hear this from me with all the guys that we talk about, because I was really digging deep into the schedule so that they're going to phase and gray has seven of 12 series at home. Um, now that doesn't mean that's the way his starts are going to go. Uh, you know, he may end up on the short end of the course starts and it might not matter. I mean, he historically he's been better at course than he's been on the road. Um, but you know, the, the issue with Gray is is that he, as much as we were sitting there and saying, all right, well, he's he's a bad, bad, bad guy, but he's not this bad, um, you know, and now it's swung the other way. With it swinging in the other direction, I'm sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop here. I mean, the Babbitt is at 215. Since he came back up, it's not going to remain at oh, that level. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that low. Um, you know, in a vacuum, I wouldn't feel great rolling him out there at home against St. Louis, the Dodgers, um, Arizona, Philly, or Washington if my if my season was on the line. Um, you know, Washington will see because they have entered sell mode. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if Harper's gone um, – you know, I don't think he's going to be, but if Harper's gone, you know, Murphy's already gone, um, that could change. Um, but the only one out of that list that's an absolute no is the Dodgers for me. Yeah. I don't want any part of him against the Dodgers in Colorado if that matchup does come to pass. Um, so, I mean, I think you can put me like at like a 75 to 80% confidence level. Um, you know, I'll start him most times out. Um I think the next couple of starts um, where he's got San Diego and St. Louis at home. Um, well, those are the series. I mean, I don't know if he's going to start games there, but if he's, if he faces those teams and he comes out and he's relatively clean, then I'm probably leaning towards starting him in most cases, um, except for, you know, a, a home series against the Dodgers. Um, otherwise I, but I, but I am leery. I do think that there's going to be, you know, a blow up or two here down the stretch because I, I think as good as he's been in terms of skills, the skills have been pretty consistent all year. It's just the Babip has kind of, you know, rose and and now fallen to an extreme level, and I think we might see it even out here down the stretch. Okay, Carlos Rodon. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, Joe? Uh, what's your confidence level at with Carlos Rodon? Yeah, so I have very little trust in Rodon. Um, and I think only in the weakest of matchups like Baltimore, KC, Detroit, or Minnesota. 
every everyone else, if he, if he ends up facing, he's got uh, the the White the White Sox have uh, the Yankees, the Red Sox, L.A., the Angels, Cleveland, Chicago, Cleveland. Um, I would not start him in any of those starts. Um, I think you can ride it out as long as he's staying hot because he has been really hot. But he's got a cold streak coming with um, once the balls start landing over the fence. He's got a minuscule .24 homers per nine right now and a 192 BAPIP. So regression is coming his way. Um, I kind of, I kind of, all right. So you don't like him versus some of those teams, which, which I get. I mean, those are some big, big heavy hitting teams in there, but like, so are you, are you kind of like not believing in Rodon? Like, or do you like, so, you like the player going forward? Like, so I would year? roll, I would roll him out against the weaker teams as long as he continues to pitch well against the weaker teams. But as soon as, soon as he general, does, then I'm done. In general, do you like the pitcher? That's what I'm saying. Uh, Not really. Okay. So I'm in on okay. Rodon. Um, I, I liked him before he came up, and he definitely has had some issues with, with injury. Um, he's had some control issues, with which was which was a question mark when he was coming up because he did have some issues with that. But um, right now he's he's playing really well. And the K per nine is way down, but the swinging strike is way up. The slider right now is at 19% swinging strike, and the changeup is over 10, 10%. Um, which is really nice, and um, you know, he's, and he's throwing it more. So, I I, I like Rodon. Um, if you look at the teams he's faced lately, he hasn't. You know, he's, Minnesota was his last start. Detroit was his start before that. But before that, he dominated the Cleveland Indians, who was one, probably the best offense in baseball, or at least one of them. Um, and he dominated the LA Angels. He dominated the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and he played really good against the Oakland A's, who score a lot of runs as well. I, I don't know. I, I trust him. I, I'm, I'm rolling him the rest of the way because just like Gray, he's been absolutely money since the break with a 0.85 whip. So when Rodon is on top of his game with the breaking stuff that he has, because the breaking stuff is absolutely filth, like pure filth if you watch him, uh, I think that he could be special. And if I wrote him this long and I'm at this point of the year and now he's finally breaking up, I'm just gonna roll with him. Let him let this late round pick or waiver wire guy win you a championship. It happens every year, and I'm riding him all the way to a to a to a nice gold belt. Yeah, I, I've caught some heat on Twitter from Andy Singleton of the Baseball Show for doubting Rodon, which I, I don't really understand. Uh, what I had said was I, I didn't think that Rodon was anything special um, in terms of what he's done so far this year. But he has he has a soft soft schedule, um, and with that the quality results should continue, um, and thus far they have. Um, but as Joe pointed out, the schedule is going to get a little bit tougher coming up here, um, and you know I worry about how that's going to translate with the skills. I mean the K rate's down, the, the whiff rate is down, the walk rate's still not great, the peripherals are a mess. He's got a two ten Babbitt, so I mean I think there's some pain coming here. Um, you know, I'm perfectly fine with rolling him out, as Joe said, against the softer teams. Um, you know, you got Minnesota, you got Detroit. He pitched pretty well against Minnesota tonight. Um, he's got them multiple times. He's got Baltimore and KC, too. Um, there's no way I'm rolling him out there against the Yankees. There's no way I'm rolling him out there against Boston. 
And I'm probably skipping Cleveland too, although he's been pretty good against Cleveland so far this year. Um, so for me, he's like a spot starter. I would put my confidence level at about sixty percent. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play the matchups uh, until the skills start to turn, and if they don't turn, um, there's no way I'm rolling them out there because I think there's a blow up coming um, from one of those uh, poorer matchups. Yeah, he's barely pumping ninety three now too. I mean. Uh, yeah, um, I'm not really interested. Okay, let's move to Tanner Roark. Uh, Nick, what do you think? Where's your confidence level at with Roark? Uh, all right. So with these starts, I mean, he's got some nice starts in here. At the Mets, you want you want to put him in. Um, versus Miami, you want to make twenty four run run per game Mets. That's it. They're not scoring any runs for the rest of the season. <laughs> um, now's the time. So, yeah, you know, he's facing the Mets a couple of times. He's facing Miami. Uh, I like him in those starts, but at Colorado, definitely not. Um, even at Philly versus Milwaukee. Uh, Roark is – I've never been a Roark guy. I believe, Pat, you have always been. Yeah. Yeah, I've always kind of liked Roark because I think he's um, so boring that he's kind of underrated. Yeah. Um, but, look, right now um, – you know, the 4.05 ERA and what he's done lately. I just, I still can't trust him against those kinds of teams. I think he's a spot starter, kind of like the way these guys feel about, about Rodon. So I'm starting him against the Mets. I'm starting him against Miami. Everything else, I'm probably keeping him on my bench. Hold up. To be fair, right, you said based on what he's done lately, he's been, like, really good lately. Um, And I, I think that's kind of part of this. I'm going to say the same thing as I said for Rodon. I'm okay with rolling him out as long as he remains hot. But uh, I definitely avoid Roark against the tougher teams. And once he gives up the stinker against one of the weaker teams, I'm probably out. I mean, Roark's been more or less the same guy the last three years, but one of those years he had really good home home run luck. Um, and again, this sort of like the same thing as last year. The second half of last year, he got on a hot streak, and it's sort of panning out the same way this year. Um. So as long as he doesn't slow up, I'm okay with the play. But you know, once he gets a, a rough patch, I'm probably out. Yeah, I think, and I think one of the reasons why he's been hot though, Joe, is like the teams that he's faced. He had the yeah, Mets. That, he, has, he had the Mets twice in the last month. That's and, part of it, though, right? At Miami, yeah, it's part of it. But um, and the team and the good teams that he did play, like the Cubs, um, the Cardinals. Uh, you know, one point he had a one point three zero whip plus in both of those games. I mean, it's sort of interesting because last year, and part of the reason why I was in on Roark was that he was a guy who had changed his pitch mix in the second half and geared it more towards his secondary stuff and de-emphasized his fastball. He's gone the other way this year. Um, he's he's started to throw his fastball more, um, you know, along with this hot streak. Um, and that's helped him shrink his walk rate. Um, otherwise, you know, the results look, the results of him taking advantage of his plus Babbitt skills. I mean, he's a pitcher that, um, you know, doesn't allow a lot of hard contact. Uh, there's a lot of soft contact in the profile. So some of it's regressing of his luck. Um you know, as Nick mentioned, there's plus opponents in here. You got the Mets twice, you got the Marlins twice, but there's also a lot of above average offenses. Um, 
So I think Rock's kind of a good comparison with Rodan. Uh, this might sound a little strange, but I think I've got more faith in what Rodon has, I mean, what Roark has done lately as a pitcher in terms of, you know, his skills aligning with his results. Um, but Rodon's schedule, I think, is a lot better than Roark's. Um, so, I mean, I would place my confidence level with Roark at like 50%. So I think I'd rather have Rodon um, just based upon the softer matchups that he does have or the abundance of softer matchups that he has. Because, I mean, when I'm looking at Roark right now, I'm seeing Mets and Phillies, which are nice, but then I don't really see another matchup that I like. Um, and, you know, the teams include Milwaukee, St. Louis, the Cubs, Philly a bunch of times, Atlanta a bunch of times. Um, and at Colorado as well. So, you know, I think he's a streamer. Okay, let's move to Trevor Cahill. Um, I'll take Cahill first, guys, because I am the Trevor Cahill yeah. guy. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been a big fan of Cahill all year this year. I've been a big fan of Cahill for a number of years. <laughs> Way too long. It, I feel like it, like, dates me. Um, and I, and I do own him just about everywhere. And, um, he, he's actually the inspiration for the segment because uh, I cost myself a few categories last week by sitting him against Houston where he had that outstanding start. Um, you know, but Kale's sort of interesting because he's got significant home road splits, uh, in six home starts, um, He's got 52 and two-thirds innings pitched, a sub-1 ERA with a 9.74K per nine and a K to walk in excess of four. So, yeah, it's a smaller sample, but I'm willing to ride it until I'm proven wrong. How, how, when was that over? Sorry. It's 52.2 innings. Okay. Um, so, I mean, he's got a home start even against the Yankees. I'm going to roll him out there, especially because he's a righty and the Yankees lineup is a little right-hand heavy. Um, so I'm willing to take the shot in Oakland um, because to me, I mean, it's like a skills issue. It's not It's not just pure luck. He's, he's pitching at an ace level at home. Um, the results have been much worse on the road, um, as have the skills. The strikeouts are down. The walks are up. It's only 30-plus innings, so he's been a little heavy on the home starts. Um, so I would be a little more cautious on the road. But there's really only one glaring matchup in his slate that I would avoid on the road, and that's at Houston. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm at like 90% confidence with Cahill. I would start him in almost every scenario. Yeah, I'm, I'm in as well. Um, and, I, you know, he's kind of similar to – Rich Hill and Haney is like when they're healthy, you start them, they're going to be money. Um, and with Cahill, one thing to look at from this year, which I thought was interesting, that kind of sold me on him, is that if you look at him month to month, he's been so consistent. If you take away when he got injured in June, you take that away where he got absolutely destroyed. Um, he had a 185 average against in May. He had a 230 average against in July. That 172 average against in August. So... He's been really good for most part of the season. Um, if you take away that 
that June in June when he got absolutely obliterated. Um, I think it was let me pull it up by the Angel. No, it wasn't by the Angels. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm buying it as well. When he's healthy, he's money, and uh, I cannot believe he's only 30 years old. That was the surprising thing. I looked at his age. I'm like 30. This guy's been in the league since like 2005. Crazy. Yeah, so I'll make it a clean sweep. It's Benjamin Button. I'm totally in on Cahill. <laughs> Benjamin that is the greatest nickname for Trevor Cahill ever. That's it. That's it. It's done. Lock it up. Lock it up. So I'm going to cheat a little here too. If you if you just delete 2017 when he was banged up too and the velo was down, uh, from from 2016 and 2018, he's got 153 innings, an 8.9 K per nine, a 3.5 walks per nine, and a 2.94 ERA. So the moral of the story is with Cahill, it's always been about health. It'll always be about health. And when he's healthy, you got to start him. The moral of the story is listen to me. I will tell you things. Pat knows all the facts about Benjamin Button. (laughs) All right, let's move to Zach Wheeler. Um, Nick, what do you think about Zach Wheeler? Where's your confidence level? Oh, man. Okay. Well, first of all, really? No, I'm let, oh, me, okay. let me start. Hold on. All right. All right. So with with Wheeler, um, the stuff has always been there. Like I've always liked the stuff from this guy, but he has those Steven Matz esque starts every once in a blue moon, and when he has them, he will lose you an entire week. But he's been very, very, very good as of lately. He's been good on the year. I mean, a one point two one WHIP, three point six three ERA. Um, you know, the, the K's are up. Everything looks good. He's in the circle of trust. Um, he is what I thought he could be. Uh, he's been injured like almost every single year since he's been in the league, which is typical from a Met. Um, but if you look back to 2014 when he pitched, I think that was his last full season. Um, he was very good that year with a 3.5 ERA, um, you know, healthy K per nine, healthy walks. Um, and right now he's at 146 innings. So, He's on track to get close to that 165-ish mark, maybe a little less. Um, but, yeah, I like him. He, he's in the circle of trust. I'm starting him re- uh, regardless of matchup. And, you know, he's got a 3.63 ERA, but he's got it with a 296 bad. So it should probably be a little bit lower. The FIP is 3.29. XFIP is 3.78. I like him a lot. He's in the circle of trust. I'm starting him regardless of matchup. Yeah, I'm to- totally, totally, totally in. Right, last year he definitely had some things going going wrong for him. In 20, t- 2014, when he was pretty much last healthy, and the mechanics were okay, and this year when he solidified those mechanics and got the velo boost again, he's pitched 331 and two thirds innings, nine K per nine, three point four two walks per nine, and a three point five eight ERA. That's not quite ace tier. But that's like two or three on your fantasy staff. He's been great. He's He's been improved. He's got the improved mechanics. The only start I'd probably skip if he lands there is in Boston because only yeah. the best pitchers get played in Boston. Yeah. And, you know, if you take away May, right? So, like, May he had a 6.43 ERA. Since that month, 3.26 in order, 3.26, 3.31, 1.38. So I don't know what the ERA would be sitting at at this point if you do take it away because I'm not good at math, but I'm guessing it's under, like, three. Well, I happen to have it. Very good. Hey. Well, at least I I can confirm it's under three. Okay. So since June 1st, Wheeler has a sub 
three ERA with nearly a strikeout per inning, a K to walk over three, which is important because he has pitched the strokes with his control a little bit and has strong peripherals that don't quite match the ERA, but support that, you know, his, his results are mostly due to skills as opposed to luck. Um, but what might be the most encouraging thing is what's gone on with his contact management. So since June 1st, Wheeler has allowed the lowest rate of hard contact among starting pitchers. I'm just going to say it again. Since June 1st, Zach Wheeler has allowed the lowest rate of hard contact among starting pitchers. He is third among starting pitchers in soft contact allowed percentage. So his soft contact percentage is way up. His hard contact percentage is way down. So now you've got a case where you've got plus stuff that's producing whiffs and the ability to manage, manage contact. That's the package that you want. And that's the sort of package that ends up, you know, beating peripherals and producing great results. Um, the schedule isn't the best. You've got Washington, but they're sort of a mixed bag right now. We really don't know what they're going to look like. You've got the Dodgers. You've got Philadelphia. You've got Atlanta. Those aren't easy matchups, but Wheeler might be the pitcher that I've got the most confidence in skill-wise that we're going to discuss tonight, um, aside from Cahill. So you can put me at like 80%. Um, I'm st- and, and if his results continue pretty flat, you know, as in nothing really significantly changes – between now and then, I will not have an issue rolling him out there regardless of the matchup. And I have two things to add on Cahill. I'm not sorry, on, on Wheeler. Um, one thing that I don't know if I've ever seen it, honestly, in the history of looking at someone's pitch mix, is that all five of his pitches that he throws, and the splitter is no longer – it's not even a show-me pitch. He's throwing it. Every single pitch is inducing over a 10% swinging strike rate. All five of them. Like, that's – I don't know if you guys have seen that before. I've never seen that. Well, it's very rare for pitchers that have five pitches anyway, so. Yeah, but even guys with, like, four, like, usually – so, like, someone who induces a, sh- a shitload of swinging strike, like, let's just say Robbie Ray when he was in his in his prime, he still only did it with, like, two pitches. And Scherzer, probably three. Maybe Tanaka with, th- like, two or three. But I've never seen someone with five. And it's pretty it's, – it's impressive. Yeah, now, to be fair, right, 10% isn't – isn't really all that high. No, but for five. But pitches, yeah, yeah, for five. Yeah, yeah. If if he could throw five impressive. pitches well enough, that it's he's at a friggin' arsenal. Um, and my second, the second question is this: going into next year, taking into consideration his um, injury history and what his final line should look like, which it's not going to be that great. Like it's not going to be. It's not going to be the sub three ERA. It's not going to be uh, an amazing whip. What do you think his ADP will be, and and is he going to break out next year? Is he going to he, carry this over if he stays healthy? He's going to go. He's going to go like Charlie Morton was. What like in the fifties? He's going to go before that, but. See, no, I Charlie like, Martin I was not in the fifties. He wasn't. He was lower than that. Charlie like, Martin was like. 35, 36. Okay, so so Wheeler's going to be like a little bit ahead of that. He's not going to be a top 30, but he's going to be like right after that. See, I disagree. 
You I think, think he's going to be inside think, the top 30? I think, a, I think there's a lot of factors here. I think He might be. He might I, be. I think he's getting the the Met um, reduction. I think he's getting the injury reduction as far as ADP goes. Um, you know, he's unproven. He really only did it this year. The year that he was successful that I Wait, mentioned. So where do you think he's going to go? I think he's going to be like overall, he'll be past 200. He'll be somewhere past 200. Where is he going to be among starting pitchers? Yeah. Um. Because I maybe uh, sorry, I just six, think that's more sixty-ish, maybe a little further. Yeah, I think you're off. I think you're way off. See, to me, the Are Wheeler story, the Wheeler story reminds me a lot of a couple of years ago when James Paxton like put together like 110 like really good innings, and I think Paxton ended up right around 40 that year, and it. It got higher as the pre-draft process went along. As me and Pat talked about it. (laughs) I think he's going to end up like starting out around 50 in January, and then he's going to find his way inside the top 40 by the time March rolls around. Wow. Okay, so you're with me. me. Yeah, I'm with you, Joe. Yeah, like 35-ish. Dude, pitching is – Pitching is bad, right? I know, but so and no one gives you innings anymore anyway. Yeah, but my point so, is, what my difference point does is it make? You might as well bet on the chance that this guy gives you 160 innings. My point is that we're talking about ADP here, okay? Yeah, and, the, yeah, and listen, I know. just listen for a second. And sure. I just made the case. What's up? What's the, the difference Mets. between him and Paxton a couple of years ago? Um, forget. Um, let me just give me one go, second. Go, go, go. The masses are not looking at. What we see, which is, oh, from June 1st to now, he has this. They're going to look at the final stat line. And the final stat line is going to be a three and a half ERA, a one point, whatever, uh, what, one point, what is he at? 1.25130 on the year? Whip. Um, uh, they're going to they're gonna mix that with the fact that he's yeah, won a Met and two has a very extensive injury history. And he is definitely not going to be within the top 40 pitches. No, regardless. Thing- of how bad pitching is. The thing is always that a lot of ADP is depicted on us, the experts, right? So if yeah. we're taking him in the 40s, right, it's only a matter of time until draft day rolls around and his and his ADP creeps up even further. Yeah, like, it's, like, it's, it's like, 60 is way too low, dude. 60 is like you're rolling dice at that point. Like he's been good. Right, he's been too good to be sixty. Yeah, like Luis Guhara in his like ten innings from the year before was going like sixty. Exactly. So it's not it's just not comparable. Like like think about this, right? If Kopek if Kopek is awesome the rest of the, the rest of the way, right? Kinda like Luis Castillo was and um and uh not Flaherty. I can't remember his name. Jesus Christ. Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver, thank you. Like Luke Weaver was, right? Kopech's going to slide in into like that 30-ish range. And I think Wheeler will be like right behind those guys. That's that's exactly where they were this year. Castillo was like mid-20s. Weaver was like late-20s, early-30s. I think Wheeler's like right behind difference. those guys. Huge difference, Joe. Huge. One, Luke, Luke Weaver was absolutely insane last year for half of the season. Yeah, but I and think Wheeler's been great. Yeah, but he's was he insane? Like, no, no, no. no, no, like no, a I, no, no we're not, not going to go into that. What I'm saying is that he's 20. he was 23 years old yeah, last season, that, and he was a highly touted – not highly touted, but maybe highly touted by, by me prospect. Um, but he was on analyst list before he even came up. 
and he was very good at certain points. Okay, what about it, Castillo? What about Castillo? Castillo, right? All right, that's, not, that's different because not. he is, what, 21 years old? Yeah, and sure. he hasn't had injury history, Joe. Okay. And he actually was dominant. What I'm, what I'm saying, though, right, is that I think those young guys will slide into the mid, mid to late 20s, and then Wheeler fits cozy right behind them. I mean, what's the difference between Morton Dude. and Wheeler? Dude, J.A. They were like the same person. Yeah, and like I said, Paxton's another one. Yeah, Paxton's Go back a couple one. of years ago, James Paxton couldn't stay healthy for anything. He gave you 110, 120 Paxton, innings that season Paxton, where he I'll was good. I'll tell you the difference right now. It's like home runs. People go gaga for keys. So regardless of – you can't compare Paxton and DeGrom. You just can't. De- Wheeler. I'm sorry, Wheeler. You, you really can't compare. Well, I, well I'm Wheeler not comparing, is, I'm comparing, is more, comparing the injury history because it's the injury history is like a perfect comp. That's I mean, pa- Paxton was at an 8.7 K per nine in 16. Then that was his breakout year, right? No, like, that was that was that was like when we were like, yo, he's going to break out. And then yeah. when he broke out, he broke out to a 10.3. So it's he's like, actually, Pat, this is a great comp. He's like Thank almost you. got the same exact line as Wheeler does. And there was no like profit on Paxton that year. Like there was no I don't even want to say there was no profit. Like there was no getting him on the cheap. Yeah. You had to get him inside like the top 35 starting pitchers to get him. Absolutely. There was no discount. Yeah. I want to remember this one cuz I don't think there's any way he starts off close to 60. You know what? Maybe maybe sixty is a little low, but I, I think within thirty, uh, within forty is a bit high. Maybe uh, I'll meet you in the middle and say maybe like forty-five, fifty. Maybe. See, I think, I, I think I, that's I'm where okay he's with that. January yeah, where he starts. Yeah, I think that's where he is in January. I think in March he's inside the top forty. Okay, as long as he's fine. healthy, obviously. Yeah, if he gets hurt, then everything goes out the window, obviously. All right, let's move to Mike Fires. So. Nick, fire! Tell me about Mike Fires. Fire! How, how are you feeling about him? I'm feeling great. Um, you know, he's always had good command. I've I've always liked the pitcher. I've always liked the guy. I owned him years ago when he had that good year on the Brewers, and um, you know, he's always struck out guys and had good ratios and maintained a pretty decent ERA early in his career. But last year had the blow up at five point two two. I'm sure Joey saw that and didn't like it. Um, but I, listen, I like him going forward. He's been very, very, very good in the second half. Uh, as high as Wheeler, I still like Wheeler a lot more. Um, but in the second half this year, he's got a 208 batting average against a 1.65 ERA. The numbers have been absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. He's been playing lights out. Um I'm with him. The only problem I have with fires, well, well, well the positive is that he doesn't walk guys. The negative is that when he gets hit, he gets hit like crazy. Um, and as far as the starts that go here, uh, he's a little bit more further from the circle of trust than the other guys. I would probably bench him against um, uh, at Houston, at LA, at Seattle, definitely versus the Yankees. Um, but there are also some good starts in here. Okay, F- Fires is like the definition of a spot starter for me. He's doing nothing noticeably different than his career. Um, he's got an eighty-four percent strand rate. The the incredible one point seven seven walks per nine 
But again, despite nothing changed in the pitch mix, the velo's down. The one thing he does have now is he gets to call the Coliseum home, which is a great ballpark. Yeah, it's like the best ballpark for him. Yeah, but even still, I, I can't trust him. I can't trust him. He's hot, but he's a spot starter at best. He's walking the line that a former teammate of his walks, which is Marco Estrada. And he's ridden plus control and a fly ball profile to outstanding results. But the homers have been there. Make no, make no mistake about it. The homer per nine sits at 1.52. Um, by not walking guys, Fires has primarily been giving up solo bombs, which has limited the damage. Um, with a 38% hard contact allowed, um, I'm definitely staying away from elite offenses and unfavorable venues unless the matchup is double plus. The slate isn't terrible. I wouldn't rule them out at Houston or against the Yankees. Um, I'm 50-50 on his matchups against Seattle, uh, which he has two of. But otherwise, I, I think I'm okay with um, rolling him out against, you know, below average to average opponents. And there's a lot of those. Uh, his slate is Texas, Minnesota, at Houston, Seattle, Yankees, Texas, at Baltimore, at Tampa, the Angels, Minnesota, at Seattle, at the Angels. So there's not a lot of scary matchups in there. So despite the fact that I do not think that he's outstanding and I don't love the stuff in particular because he throws like 88, you know, I think he could do worse in this climate. Okay, and I think that wraps it up for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. Guys, thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.